Welcome to the Sacred Roots Podcast. I am your host, Elie de Bosson, and I am a spiritual teacher, business mentor, energy healer, speaker, and the author of the new book, The Path of Femininity, The Six Gifts of Your Sovereignty. This show is designed for every woman entrepreneur wanting to experience more flow, abundance, purpose, and impact, all while having a solid business and life. I love and adore to bridge spirituality and business, so if you're into both of these, welcome! You're at the right place! Before we dive into this week's episode, I have a very quick announcement that I am so, so, so excited to share with you. Roll drums! I am officially inviting you to the Feminine Flow Retreat! After two years of being away from each other and doing all my work online, it was more than time to come together physically, work together, hold hands, hug, look into each other's eyes and really do deep spiritual work together during a four-day retreat. So what can you expect at the Feminine Flow Retreat? So this retreat is really for you if you're a spiritual entrepreneur and you find that you're seeking more alignment, you've been feeling that there is more of you that want to be expressed into the world and you want to express your most authentic self, but also lead your business with your intuition and have a business that is in ease, in flow, but not just a business, your whole life that is really in that state of surrendering where it's really your soul that is guiding you and not so much your ego. So if you've loved listening to the Sacred Roots podcast and you've loved my book, The Path of Femininity, you are going to absolutely adore this retreat because it's all the juiciness from my book and this podcast that I'm going to bring together. And we're going to be doing yoga in the morning. There's going to be some yoga nidra as well. We're going to do some like kind of meditations. And then there's going to be four workshops that are really going to help you with your intuition, building that trust in your intuition, that connection in your intuition, showing up with authenticity, flowing, surrendering, ease, being in your feminine, really thriving the feminine way. And I cannot wait to teach all that to you in person. It's going to be so juicy. I actually went to see the place last week and it is such a beautiful place. We have a huge garden. Ah, I'm just so excited because it's going to be so good and teaching in person in retreats is my favorite way to teach. So if you have felt that you've been quite exhausted lately, you've been feeling disconnected and you really want to connect at a deep level with like-minded sisters, you've been feeling misaligned, tired of hustling, you want to let go of control and really surrender, have a solid life and business, and you want clarity in your life, then join us to that retreat because this is exactly what we're going to do during those four days. So there is an early bird if you sign up before May 1st, which is a 60-minute one-on-one session with me. So if you've been wanting to work with me a bit more closely and you're feeling that it's a full body yes and you're having full chills right now and you want to spend some quality time with me, I mean, quality time is my love language and I love all of you guys for like listening to me and integrating my work. So I'm going to create like such a huge quality time during those four days. You're going to be mind blown and I am so excited. So sign up with the link that's in the show notes of this episode and sign up before May 1st if you want to have a one-on-one session with me and I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to another and last episode of season four of the Sacred Roots podcast. 
So for this episode, we are going to dive much deeper into the mysteries because I've decided to share with you more about what mystery schools are, their origins, their purpose, and some of the teachings of the mystery schools. And I'm going to talk a lot about ancient Egyptian mystery schools and what I know about them. And we are going to close with a prayer to Isis. And you'll understand why by the end of this episode, why I have chosen a prayer to Isis to close this episode, but also to close season four of the Sacred Roots podcast. So what is a mystery school? I have realized that this word is not very familiar to to many of you. Of course, when I say the word mystery school, you understand that it's a school that is about mystery teachings and the mystery of life. But the word mystery school is a title in itself, like university or academy or country, for example, that has a name. (laughs) It's a thing in itself, you know. It's not a word that is made of an adjective and a noun. It's a title in itself. So what is it really? Well, by definition, a mystery school is a body of initiates that are dedicating their lives to preserving, protecting, and perpetuating the mystery teachings. And so then we have to see, but what are these mystery teachings, which is what I'm going to talk about today, amongst other things. But first, it's important to understand that mystery schools have been existing since the dawn of time. Like, we can trace them until the first dynasty of Egypt, ancient Egypt, which is, I'm not really good with dates, but basically a really long time ago, probably, I think like historians are even struggling to put a date on really that first dynasty. But I think it's up to between five and 10,000 years before Christ. So what is known about the mystery schools is that they have built temples all around the world to share their teachings. Temples were really the place where the teachers and the students were gathering and going through experiences, initiations, and moments of exchange to transmit these teachings. And these teachings were shared to the public and quite often behind closed doors. And we always say that it's for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. What does that mean? It means that even though you might receive a teaching, there's always more to it. And you need to be able to see with your inner eye and hear with your inner ear, tap into your intuition, tap into your inner wisdom to read between the lines, see the depth of the teaching. And that's why mystery teachings are called mysterious. It's because there's always more to unveil. And that's why the way these are taught is that you're not given like a secret book with all the rules of life, and then you just learn them by heart. This is really not how it works. A mystery school is a school of embodiment, and these teachings are integrated, and you journey with them. And some people struggle to journey with them. That's why, actually, these schools are not for everybody, not because not everybody is ready for it, 
but because not everybody is committed to actually do the work that enables you to take these teachings into your life. The teachings are also called wisdom teachings and esoteric teachings. So when we use the word esoteric, it's become a very trendy word these days in the spiritual community. You can think about astrology or manifestation, tarot cards like oracle decks, etc. But esoteric actually doesn't mean spiritual. Originally, this word really means something that is understood by or meant for a select few that have a special interest or knowledge. And so the twist here and where we get lost in translation is that these teachings are actually for everyone, for everyone that has an open mind, for everyone that is curious, for every person that wants to be empowered and enlightened. But because these teachings need to be integrated and you need to journey with them and they actually invite you to do a lot of inner work. Not everybody has the patience, the time, the energy, the willingness required to do that inner work, to go deep within your heart, your soul, your body. Remember who you are, heal and awaken. Because really the purpose of these teachings is to help you awaken, is to help you remember who you are, aka you're divine, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. And if you've listened to my episode of last week where I was talking about the impact of the witch hunts and how we're still connected to the traumas of those witch hunts that happened 500, 200, 100 years, 50 years ago even, certain things still happened very recently, I talked in that episode about the link between those witch hunts or modern society and mystery schools. And I shared in that episode the myth of Isis and Osiris and how Isis remembered Osiris. And the word remember, it's actually bringing your members, the members of your body, the part of your body back together. And so when we say remember who you are, and who you came here to be. What it actually means, it's bringing all the pieces of you together and making it one, not hiding anything of you anymore. It's another way of saying and peeling the layers because around your soul, you have put a lot of layers to protect yourself. We call them beliefs, fears, conditioning, masks, identities. It's all protections from the ego. And the journey that you go through in a mystery school is letting go of all those layers to the point of remembering your spiritual essence, your divine essence. And so the reason why mystery schools were only for a few, actually, there's this first reason that I said that it's only because a few are ready to do the work and signing up for it, but also because society has been under a kind of control, a kind of pressure that didn't want everybody to be empowered. And so these doors were not for everybody because all these teachings had to be hidden 
so that they could be protected and preserved. So let me go back in time. There was a time in the world where we would live as a unified body. We were all connected to each other, all inspired. Love was the main energy that was present. And we were all working towards the greatest good. But then that changed and there were darker energies. I'm not going to go into that right now, but there were darker energies that tried to, that started to create a divide. And then those teachings were tried to be scattered, to be thrown away. And so some people kept those teachings and still taught them, but between closed doors in order to protect them. And so if you wanted to join a mystery school, you had to apply. It was not for everybody. And you had to go through a few tests in order to be accepted. There are still a lot of mystery schools to these days from these ancient lineages that are still closed to the public. They probably don't even have a website. You cannot enter like that in them. Thank God, nowadays, more and more mystery schools are becoming open and more people uh, feel the call to transmit these teachings and what they have learned because we are in a great spiritual awakening and we are all invited to remember the divine beings that we are and experience an enlightened and empowered life. So this is it basically about the teachings. So the kinds of like spheres and fields and areas that you learn in a mystery school, well, of course, it's about spiritual awakening, but also energy healing, alchemy, intuition, manifestation is actually also part of the mystery teachings, divine feminine embodiment. And now we see that divine feminine embodiment very, very present in mystery schools because we live in a world that's been so, so, so masculine. And we are invited to come back to our feminine because the feminine is the healer. She's the intuitive, the initiator. And there's definitely also a big emphasis on divine feminine embodiment in normal mystery schools. But now you have mystery schools that only focus on that because it's so important. If you type on Google divine feminine mystery school, you're going to see a dozens, the sacred roots mystery school. So the school that I am starting in September. I didn't check, but it's not on page one, <laughs> maybe on page two, on page three. Maybe I just need to change my SEO and improve that. <laughs> I haven't taken care of that yet, but uh, basically it doesn't really matter. People will come anyways. My point here is just that there are a lot of divine feminine mystery schools, which I think is awesome because we really need it. We really need it. The divine feminine is rising. You probably know all of that. If you're tuning into my podcast, I've done a lot of episodes about the divine feminine and one particularly on why she's rising. So if you want to re-listen to that, scroll down, you're going to find that episode. I'm not going to talk about that again now because you probably already know it if you've tuned into that episode. So let's dive really into the origins of uh, mystery schools and dive particularly in ancient Egypt mystery schools. So we have found traces of mystery schools back to antiquity in Greece, in the whole Mediterranean Sea, the whole Hellenistic area, the Roman Empire, etc. But it's impossible to talk about mystery schools 
without talking about Egypt. I'm personally very connected to Egypt. So little backstory, it's actually quite funny because I know and I have uh, had some visions of uh, lives that I've had in ancient Egypt where I was going to mystery schools myself, but also teaching in mystery schools. And so I have this inner knowing, this kind of cellular memory from being a teacher, an esoteric wisdom teacher in mystery schools in ancient Egypt. You might think it's completely crazy or bold, and I'm just saying that like that, it, but it doesn't really matter. You don't need to believe me. That's not really the point. I'm just saying it because I know it might awaken something in you because the world is made in a way that we attract and magnetize our soul fractal. And so I'm pretty sure that some of you also have memories of ancient Egypt, which is awesome. Let's gather again in this lifetime and have fun and raise the consciousness of the earth again. And so it's quite funny because I have this spiritual heritage and spiritual ancestry and memory of past lives in ancient Egypt. But in this incarnation, in this lifetime, I chose to be born in a family that was Belgian. But the funny thing is that my great-grandmother's name was Cleopatra. She was Greek, but she was carrying the name of this beautiful queen, Cleopatra, Egyptian queen. And maybe she had Egyptian roots, actually, I don't know, I should trace it. But I always knew that her name was Cleopatra. So when I was a kid and I was 12 years old, I had a fascination for ancient Egypt. And I taught myself how to write in hieroglyphs when I was 12 years old. And I thought it was just the coolest thing. I remember I was at the end of like the school day, I was supposed to go to the study room and do my homework and all that. And I was waiting for my father to pick me up to go back home. And he would pick me up when he would finish his workday. But instead of doing my homework in the study room, because I thought my homework was pretty boring, I didn't want to do Flemish or mathematics or chemistry. I was actually teaching myself how to write in hieroglyphs. So... I don't know about you, but I was the only one in the school doing that. So everyone thought I was pretty crazy, but I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And to me, as an 11 years old girl, I just thought it made complete sense because I just wanted to reconnect with my ancestry, my biological ancestry, because my great grandmother's name was Cleopatra. And so that was like the obvious connection to Egypt to me. Of course, little did I know at the time, uh, because I, I didn't have visions at the time, they came much later, that I was actually spiritually connected to ancient Egypt. Full body chills when I just said that. Thank you for the confirmation, guides. Anyways, it's a funny story, but I just love how we are guided in our life with like little things like that, especially with our grandmothers and great-grandmothers who are very connected to our destiny. They are the ancestors taking care of our destiny. There are a lot of signs in their names, in the symbols, because the universe talks in symbols to help you remember who you are. And so having my great-grandmother's name being Cleopatra and feeling connected to Egypt, thanks to her and her name, even though I never met her, but I just always knew that story, was a way for my soul to help me remember 
that I had lived lives in ancient Egypt. Anyway, so that's a little bit of a personal story that I just love to share because it just shows the magic of the universe. And there's so many more signs than I have found when I learned to understand the symbols that the universe uses to teach us about who you are and help us remember. All right, so let's dive into more of what these ancient mystery schools of ancient Egypt actually were. So there was one school in particular, an ancient mystery school from ancient Egypt that was connected with the seven chakras of the Nile. So the Nile is believed to actually represent the Milky Way. We can go even much further because the Nile also represents the human body. And the Nile is known to have seven chakras, seven energy centers, like we have seven energy centers in our body. And so the students, the neophytes, which is the name for the beginning students that start in a mystery school, they would go through that mystery school and it would take them a lot of years. Some people say one year per chakra. Some people say it would take them more time depending on the students. The master teachers would decide if they needed to stay longer in one chakra or keep going. And so every chakra was connected to a particular God and taught in a particular temple. And they would also learn to work with a particular emotion as well. Because if you know a little bit about chakras and how it started in India, it's often connected with an emotion, a state of being. So just knowing that is actually really cool because chakras have been believed to come from the ancient yogis in India. But how curious is it that they actually also taught about chakras in Egypt? So here we start to open the mysteries. Who created the chakras first? I mean, the yogis are Patanjali, who is the one that wrote the first text about yoga. I think it's 5,000 before Christ. That's how far they dated it. But like, did they get in touch with each other? Is it another ancient civilization that taught it to them? We don't know, but it's just fascinating, I think, that they both actually talk about similar ideas. Something that is also very fascinating is that a lot of mystics, some historians as well, and scholars actually believe that Jesus studied in ancient Egypt in those mystery schools, in that particular mystery school that was taking the students through the seven chakras of the Nile during seven years, which would make sense because certain healing tricks and magic tricks that Jesus taught are actually very connected to ancient Egypt. And some people have written books to like explain the links and uh, similarities between Osiris and Jesus. Osiris, which is the God of death and resurrection and Jesus that went through a resurrection process. Anyways, I mean, I could talk about all these things for hours. I think it's fascinating. But let's dive into those seven chakras. You would start 
Imagine you are in ancient Egypt right now. You have long black hair and you want to start a mystery school because you want to awaken and remember your divine essence. And so you would start at the root chakra in Philae, at the temple of Isis. You would start really at the south and go all the way down the Nile to end up at the north of the country where you would have the crown chakra. And so you would start by really working on your, really the energy of survival and the energy of I am, of your root chakra. And that chakra was connected with the animal, with the ram and dedicated to the god Knum. So Knum was also spelled Knemu. And he's an ancient god of fertility associated with water and procreation. But Isis is also a goddess of fertility. And so all of that was actually taught at the temple of Isis in Philae. And if you know a little bit about Egypt and ancient Egyptian gods, you know, or you might look up if you're interested, that Knemu or Knum is actually represented as a ram himself. So quite often, the god and the animal that were connected to a particular chakra were actually connected themselves. I mean, it's not a coincidence because it's the energy of that animal that the god was teaching and transmitting and using as a kind of archetype for his teachings. And the ram, they were considered as a symbol of virility because they had a very rotting behavior, right? So you would really start by work on those energies of survival, of I am, of virility, of fertility in the first temple, the temple of Isis. And then if the masters agreed that you could move on, you would go to the second chakra where you would learn about sacred sexuality. Because the Shvaristana, that's the name in India, was actually in Egypt called the crocodile chakra. And the crocodile chakra is connected with the god Sobek. And that was actually taught in the temple of Aras. So why is it connected to the crocodile and the god Sobek? Well, actually, Sobek, like the origin of the name, means to impregnate. Which is very interesting because we're talking here about fertility as well. They had a lot of sacred sexual practices in ancient Egypt, as you are already understanding here. But the crocodile courting actually goes on forever and it involves all the senses. It's very sensual. It involves the eye, the touch, the smell, the taste. And it's like crocodiles are passionate lovers. And so you would learn all of that. It would involve a lot of pleasure, a lot of sensuality, a lot of play in that second chakra, in that second year of the mystery schools. And then you would move on to the third chakra. The third chakra is, of course, the solar plexus. And in the solar plexus, we learn about power. And what better God to talk about power than the God Ra? who's connected to the sun and very often portrayed as a lion. 
And so the teachings there would all be about awakening your potential, stepping into your strength, your abilities, your courage. And they were taught in the temple of Luxor in Teb or Tebes. Also interesting to know that Tebes was the capital of Egypt during the middle and new kingdoms of Egypt. So a very important energy center of power because it became the capital of Egypt, right? So then you would move in your fourth year to the heart chakra, the heart of truth. And so this is where it becomes very interesting and much more spiritual because as we know, the three lower chakras, well, we even call them the lower chakras, they're more connected to the body, procreation, power. And as your kundalini energy is going up, 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 the serpent of kundalini is going up, you elevate yourself and you become more spiritual. At least a lot of masculine spiritual systems believe that the energy had to go up. Now there are a lot of actually feminine mystery schools who invite the energy code to go down and to start at the top chakra and go down to the root. But in Egypt, they didn't do it that way. They were going up. They were starting at the root chakra and going up. And so we have seven chakras, three lowers, three uppers, and then the heart is in the middle. It's the middle chakra. And that's where the two energies blend. And so that chakra was very important. And it is believed that if you would start to get stuck somewhere, <laughs> it would be that one. And so certain students would spend a lot of years in the heart of truth, working with their heart, working with that heart chakra. And the goddess, Matt, because Matt is the spirit of creation. She embodies the Holy Spirit in ancient Egyptian tradition. And she's represented by the feather because the feather is the wisdom of the heart. So if you don't know who the goddess Matt is, you probably don't see the link with the feather. And I'm going to explain that link to you because it's actually a very interesting story that I really like. So Matt is very often represented as the Holy Spirit, but the person that is actually judging you when you die. Ancient Egyptians had a fascination for death, not because they were afraid of death, but because they loved life. And by understanding death, they would live better and they would make the most of their life. And they also really saw death as a passage, as a transformation, as another phase. And so when you would pass away and go to the other side, you would be judged by Matt. And so what Matt would do is that she would put your heart in a scale. And so on one side of the scale would be your heart, and on the other side of the scale would be a feather. And if your heart was heavier than the feather, you wouldn't be allowed to go to heaven. What is this teaching us? This means that you're only allowed to go to the afterlife, to heaven, if you have no regrets, if you have no unfinished business, if your heart 
is light. If you've done everything that you desired in life, if your heart is heavier than a feather, and a feather is really, really light, you probably know that, <laughs> then you aren't allowed to go to the other side. Isn't it such a beautiful and magical teaching that we are here to follow our hearts, to have no regrets, to do what feels right, to speak our truth, to honor the truth of our heart. Because if we don't honor the truth of our heart, then the heart is heavier than the feather. I mean, I love this. I love this image. There's so much wisdom in these teachings. Maybe I love it so much because, you know, I have a kind of remembrance, but I think that Yeah, I, I love the story. I had to share it with you. It's not just a story, it's a teaching. So once you had a very light heart and you had done all the work that you needed, so that heart of truth is not really connected to a temple or a place in particular, but it was in the middle of the Nile. So once you had done that work, you would move forward to the throat chakra. So now it's getting even juicier, very interesting. Because the throat, of course, is the portal of communication. It's where you express yourself, right? And how you can manifest with your words, express all of who you are, and also start creating. There's a very strong connection between the throat and the root and the womb, all those things. Because it's part of uh, your creation tool. So the throat chakra was represented by the ibis. So if you see the ibis, it's the one with that very long nose or how do you say the nose of a bird? I don't know the word in English. In French, we say un bec, but who cares? Because you probably don't speak French. And so the ibis chakra, that's how it was called, was manifested by Tot. And so Thoth is the god of wisdom, magic, writing, and the moon. And he was, of course, often depicted with an ibis head. So if you have an idea of how Egyptian gods, uh, what they look like, you often see Thoth with a head of an ibis. And what is interesting is that these teachings were taught in the city of Hermopolis. So Hermopolis is known to be the city of Hermes. Hermes, that's how the Greeks call them. But Hermes is known in the mystery teachings and in history as Hermes Trimegistus. So what does that mean, Trimegistus? You might understand the word Trimegistus, that there's the word tree. One, two, three. And that's because it is believed that Hermes was born three times in three different civilizations at three different time periods, but giving the same teachings. So taught in ancient Egypt is Hermes in ancient Greece and Moses for the Jews from the ancient Testament. So have a look at the teachings of these three personas. There's like so much similarities And Tot himself says that he's Hermes. And Hermes himself said that he was taught. But there's also Moses that not a lot of people talk about. But he was born three times. That's why he's called Tri Me Kistus. Hermes 
is also the author of the famous Emerald Tablets. If you've never heard about the Emerald Tablets, it's a very complex and cryptic text that was written on emerald stone, really tablets, that are still very mysterious to this day. A lot of people have tried to interpret them and understand them, but it's a text that is very hard to understand with your mind because it's an alchemical process. There's really something alchemical that is happening when you read the emerald tablets. You can Google them. They're quite easy to find on the internet now. But they are considered, of course, to be the pillars of Western alchemy. Now, we have to dive into what is alchemy. So alchemy is, of course, chemistry. And chemistry actually brings us also to an old Persian word, because chemistry in old Persian is magus, magic. So when we talk about alchemy, we actually talk about magic. We talk about energy. We talk about transformation. And it's not just physical transformation, but actually transformation of the soul. It's spirituality. It's remembering your connection with source, your divine essence. And they had to call it alchemy at the time like in the medieval times and all these things, because these teachings were, started, were starting to be corrupted and wanted to be destroyed. So instead of calling it magic, they called it chemistry and alchemy. So it's very interesting to see that, of course, it makes complete sense that Tot, who's the god of writing and who wrote the emerald tablets, is actually teaching about alchemy. Because when you pronounce words, you're actually doing magic. You're casting spells either for you or against you. So it's very important to be aware of the words that you use because they can either support you or not support you. And so that's really what was taught at that level, at that throat chakra in the city of Hermopolis. And then it is also believed that Tot is the creator of the flower of life. So now we dive into sacred geometry, which is also linked to alchemy. I mean, there's so much more I could be talking about here, but I'm going to leave it to that for now. Once students had finished the throat of communication, imagine it's your fifth year. You've been an amazing student. Now you're invited to step into the sixth year. You are going to step into the third eye of life. Now we're getting really high up in the superior bodies and more and more into spirituality, really coming back to your divine essence, right? And so that chakra was honoring the goddess Isis and was represented by the black kite because that bird was sacred to Isis. And we very often see Isis with her wings and she had black kite wings. And these teachings were actually taught in the great pyramid of Giza, particularly in the high chamber of the great pyramid that was built according to the Vesica Pisces dimensions. 
there's the, the ratio phi that is represented in that pyramid. And archaeologists and historians don't understand how that's possible because the number phi has been discovered, theoretically, much later than when the pyramids were built. But the Egyptians actually already knew about that. How come? That's another mystery. But it's also interesting to see that, or for you to learn and discover that these were taught in the Great Pyramid. Because we are taught in school and historians and archaeologists say that the Great Pyramids are tombs, right? Now they are, I don't know, but many, many, many pyramids in Egypt. You're going to be surprised to know that nobody, no dead body has been found in any of those pyramids. They have been found in the, in the Valley of the Nile, in temples, in other places but not in those pyramids. So there are a lot of mystics, psychics, spiritual teachers that actually invite another truth to be unveiled, which is that the Great Pyramids were built for initiations. And a lot of other reasons, there were also antennas and da 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 da, da. I'm not going to dive into that right now. That's a whole other podcast or even book or even series. <laughs> But the Great Pyramids were actually initiation centers. And so learning about ancient mystery schools is actually confirming this because in the Great Pyramid of Giza, in the high chamber, chamber of the king, where there's like there's a whole sound alchemy ecosystem, like yeah, it's it's crazy when you once you start digging into the sacred geometry, the the sacred sounds the potency of sound in, in those chambers, it can put you into altered states really, really quickly because the Great Pyramid was meant to help to initiate you in those mystery schools. And so, of course, Isis was connected to the third eye and that sixth chakra represented by the, the black kite because Isis really embodies the divine feminine. She's the goddess of magic. She's the queen of heaven. She always see her with the key of life because she understood the secrets of immortality and reincarnation and living your best life as well. And she was also the goddess of healing and rebirth and fertility, like I said before. And so she's really the, Isis is the great mother and she's also the mother of the sacred roots modern mystery school, because we need her energy, we need her guidance. And also because I'm going to teach so much about the divine feminine and she's going to guide us through that process. All of you and me definitely as well. I'm very connected to Isis, as you might know by now. And then finally, you would end up at the seventh chakra, which is the crown of connection. And of course, what better symbol to represent the seventh chakra, then the snake, the serpent. And the serpent chakra, the seventh chakra was manifested by Wajet. So Wajet is the goddess that helps you connect with divinity and really make you experience that sense of oneness. And so I don't know if you've already had a Kundalini awakening. So the Kundalini energy is of course represented by the snake. 
And when you have a Kundalini awakening, it is said that your energy, that Kundalini energy that is in your root chakra goes all the way up, 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 up to your seven chakra. And you feel at one with the world. You suddenly have a moment of understanding. I should actually do a podcast about that because that's also a very interesting experience to talk about. Very powerful, also sometimes misunderstood. And so, of course, when you finish your mystery school and you get to the crown of connection, you feel connected to source, you feel connected to everything. You remember that you're one with everything. You understand the law of one, finally. And so a lot of goddesses actually in ancient Egypt are represented with a snake that is, you know, coming out of the top of their heads. Isis is very often depicted with that snake. Wajed is also very often depicted with that snake. And that means that once you have that snake that is reaching your seven chakra, it really represents sovereignty, royalty, and authority because you have walked a path to be a fully awakened being and you're then in your power. And the snake, because the snake is also losing and shedding its skin, it really represents the rebirth, the transformation, and the immortality. And so ultimately, when you get to that level, you have reached immortality because you finally understand that your soul is immortal and that this school, this life is a school. We're at the school of life. And going to a mystery school is teaching you that, is reminding you of that and helping you go through that process of rebirth. And you rebirth yourself because at the beginning, you might live from your ego. When we're little babies, at some point we develop an ego and that ego is very much needed. So we want to love it and thank it. But that ego sometimes doesn't serve us. Quite often stops serving us at some point. We have to relearn to then live from our soul. And so you're going through shedding that skin shedding the beliefs and fears and limitations of your ego so that only your soul is left, that you can remember you are one and live that soul and life. So you're going through a transformation process and remembering that you're actually eternal. And little info, little add-on that I wanted to share here is that Wajet is also connected to the Wajet Eye. We also call it the evil eye or the eye of, of Horus or the all-seeing eye. I'm sure that maybe, maybe you have a jewel like that or maybe a tattoo like that. It's very trendy in spiritual communities. Or maybe a bracelet with that eye of Horus, with the Wajet eye. And that eye is actually a protection of your soul, protection of all negative energies that could come around you. And so, yeah, I'm just sharing that so that you know the connection of that eye that is usually called the eye of Aris, but that is actually the wedged eye and that is protecting you from bad intentions or energies or, you know, we live in a world, yin, yang, black, white, polarities, good, bad. I don't want to put judgments on them, but just different energies. And because Wajed is really known as a goddess of protection, she was the protectors of the kings, but also the, the protector of the children, then having a Wajed eye actually protects you. And so if you are awakening 
and this podcast has been resonating with you and you are desiring to protect yourself in that awakening process, then I would invite you to get a wanted eye. And you can wear it as a necklace or as a bracelet or put it on your altar and you're going to be protected. Of course, you need to believe in these things. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. All right. So, so this is it. This is what I wanted to share with you about mystery schools, really where they come from, their purpose, their teachings. But I also wanted to finish with a beautiful prayer that I'm going to share with you now. It's a prayer to Isis, the great mother, the goddess of magic, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of immortality, the queen of heaven, the mother of the soul. And I want to share this prayer with you because, well, as you know, Isis is very connected to the sixth chakra and the third eye, but also the root chakra. And when you start that awakening process, when you start and you step into mystery schools, very often Isis is going to accompany you. And that's why the first teachings of those ancient mystery schools in ancient Egypt were taught in the temple of Isis. And so I'm going to read to you a prayer that is actually written on the walls of the temple of Isis in Philae. It's written in hieroglyphs, of course, but I am going to read to you a translation and interpretation. Mm, so you can close your eyes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. Maybe pause your, your podcast and get back to this later when you're in front of your altar or somewhere at home where you're not going to be disturbed. You can put some music on if you'd like. Close your eyes, relax your body. And let the words permit you. You don't have to understand them. You can let them work with you on an alchemical level. Praise to you, Isis, the Great One, the Mother of Horus, Lady of Heaven, Mistress and Queen of the Gods. You are the first royal spies of Osiris, the supreme overseer of the golden ones in the temples, the eldest son, firstborn of Geb. Praise to you, Isis, the Great One, the mother of Horus, lady of heaven, mistress and queen of the gods. You are the first royal spouse of Osiris, the bull, the lion who overthrows all his enemies, the lord and ruler of eternity. Praise to you, Isis, the Great One, Mother of Horus, Lady of Heaven, Mistress and Queen of the Gods. You are the first elect, one of Osiris, the perfect youth who performs slaughter among the disaffected of two lands. Praise to you, Isis, the Great One, Mother of Horus, Lady of Heaven, Mistress and Queens of the Gods. You are the first royal spouse of Osiris one who protects her brother and watches over the weary of heart. Praise to you, Isis, the Great One, God's Mother, Lady of Heaven, Mistress and Queen of the Gods. You are the first royal spouse of Osiris, the Eternal One, rejuvenating himself, who raised up eternity. You are with him, 
in the temple. Praise to you, Isis the Great One, God's mother, Lady of Heaven, Mistress and Queen of the Gods. Mm, I let you integrate this beautiful prayer that is inscribed in hieroglyphs on the walls of the Temple of Isis in Philae. And it is believed that this poem, prayer, hymn, dates from about 300 years BCE. So with this beautiful text and all these mystery teachings, I am closing season four of the Sacred Roots podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all the previous episode. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for inviting me in your private space, for making time in your life, for my teachings, my energy, my voice, but mostly for making time for yourself for your own growth, for your own healing, for your own awakening, for remembering really who you are and allowing yourself to explore the mysterious with me. It's really been an honor and a pleasure to do that with you. And if you feel called to continue that work and really do it deeper, well, you can sign up to the waitlist of the Sacred Roots Mystery School. We are starting in September, but there will also be a two-day introduction course in July. So if you want to start diving into the mystery teachings and have a small bite of what the Sacred Roots is going to be like, you can also sign up to that course. But if you sign up to the waitlist, you'll receive all the details. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have learned just one single thing from all the episodes I have released in the past three, four months, please share it with me by tagging me on social media, leaving a review on Spotify or Apple podcast, not so that I can get more visibility. I actually don't care about that, but it is more so that this podcast can reach other sisters, other women, other leaders that might need this information, that might be inspired by it, so that we can all gather in sisterhood, heal the witch wound, heal the bitch wound, heal the whore wound, step into our power, step into our divine feminine, and start building new earth together. This is so, 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 so dear to my heart, and I cannot do it alone. We need, we need each other. We need to come together and do it together, holding hands. So by tagging me and sharing my podcast with your audience this can reach more hearts more souls more minds and we can start building a better world together wouldn't that be nice <laughs> i'm sending you so much love and i will be seeing you at the end of the summer for season five take care have a happy summer happy summer solstice and i'll see you very very soon